Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Monday, March 27th in Hong Kong, Sunday, March 26th in New York. And coming up today... Minneapolis Fed Chief Neil Kashkari says recent bank turmoil has boosted the risk of a U.S. recession. The U.S. may boost emergency help for banks. And Credit Suisse could face a possible probe and discipline for how the bank was run even before its collapse. Putin talks establishing bases for tactical nuclear weapons. Taiwan loses Honduras as an ally. Taiwan's President Tsai to visit the U.S. this week. Singapore President Lee to visit China. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari saying the recent bank turmoil has increased the risk of a U.S. recession. Here's Kashkari speaking on CBS Face the Nation program. Right now, what's unclear for us is how much of these banking stresses are leading to a widespread credit crunch, and then that credit crunch would then slow down the economy. This is something we are monitoring very, very closely. That's Neil Kashkari, heard right here on Bloomberg. Kashkari said that the U.S. banking system is sound and banks have strong capital positions and a lot of liquidity. But he added that it will take some time for the current problems to fully work themselves out. Kashkari also thinks it's too soon to judge what the bank crisis means for the economy and for monetary policy. The Fed will meet next on the 2nd of May. Meantime, we are hearing U.S. authorities are making moves to help all banks. This would include First Republic. That story from Bloomberg's Susanna Palmer. Our source says authorities are considering expanding an emergency lending facility for banks in ways that would give First Republic Bank more time to shore up its balance sheet. Officials have yet to decide on what support they could provide First Republic, if any, and an expansion of the Federal Reserve's offering is one of several options under consideration. Even short of that step, watchdogs see First Republic as stable enough to operate without any immediate intervention as the company and its advisors try to work out a deal to shore up the balance sheet. Representatives for the Fed, FDIC, and First Republic declined to comment. Susanna Palmer, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers wants U.S. regulators to pledge that they'll back uninsured deposits in any banks that fail. Summers said that this would provide very substantial confidence to the banking system. They can do that within their existing authorities simply by being clear that in the event of failures... Given the highly fevered environment with respect to contagion right now, they are prepared to use systemic risk exemptions 
Two, allow the FDIC to pay off depositors with assurance uh, that those funds will come from the banking uh, industry. Summers also said that officials should recognize that regulation now needs to take account of the digital banking and high interest rates that exist, because he says that's a condition where deposits can shift much faster than in the past. We are hearing two banks are both vying for what's left of Silicon Valley Bank. They are Valley National Bank Corp. and First Citizens Bank Shares. SVB collapsed earlier this month and then was seized by the FDIC. We are told these two regional banks submitted separate bids before a deadline last Friday. Now, the FDIC has been seeking to sell SVB for about two weeks now. A winner could be chosen before the end of the weekend. No final decision has been made, and the FDIC could decide to hold on to SVB or sell it to someone else, Brian. And to another troubled bank, Credit Suisse may face a probe and disciplinary action over how the bank was run in the lead up to its collapse and its eventual takeover by UBS. That story from Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann. The Swiss banking regulator FIMMA told the Swiss-German newspaper that Credit Suisse has a cultural problem. That problem translated into a lack of accountability. FIMMA president Marlene Amstead said it is not clear who is responsible for what policies, and that led to a negligent handling of risks. She said disciplinary proceedings remain an open question, and FIMMA has been accused of failing to act early enough. Amstead denied that, saying, quote, we intervened early and intensively. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner. Doug, you know, there's a pretty big gap between what the equity markets are doing uh, with the news flow that appears to be screaming at us. Uh, We're taught to respect the price action, Uh, but it may be odd to some that the S&P 500 was actually up last week. It's slightly up for the year, and it's still right in the middle of a range of 3,800 to 4,200 that we've been in for about 10 months. And I would argue as well that the 10-year Treasury is also at about the same level that it was in September. So even though, I mean, the the real volatility is at the short end of the curve, and that's as investors try to price out this terminal rate, and that one has been moving. And we have seen a lot of strength. I think you'll agree with this, Brian, in the tech space, big beneficiary, kind of a haven bit, I would argue, especially when you consider that some of these companies have very strong cash balance sheets or cash positions on their balance sheets. And in a time like this, where there's so much turbulence, so much uncertainty, particularly as it relates to the banks, tech has become a bit of a safe haven. And I think that makes the Fed's job a little easier because uh, you can imagine how difficult it might be for the Federal Reserve to be continuing to raise interest rates if you had the S&P 500 falling 2% every day. I wanted to mention as well that you probably picked up on this line from Neil Kashkari as I did, where he said that it will take time for the current problems to work themselves out. <laughs> if only they would work themselves out. Well, and I think that's what Janet Yellen is trying to do by... Uh, sending the message to the market that uh, the government in some shape or some form has the back of some of these banks, that would help to engender a bit of confidence. But on the inflation side, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the U.S. at the end of the week with that personal consumption expenditures price index. It really may put the Fed in, in an even more difficult situation with the volatility and the concern about the financial system on one hand and this upward pressure that remains 
ones where the inflation story is concerned. Yeah, and I was only half joking about Kashkari's line. He probably didn't really mean that these will work themselves out. He's probably more in the camp that Powell and Yellen are in, as you suggest, <laughs> that, that, that some, some intervention will be needed and will be forthcoming. Uh, so uh, that's kind of where we stand on this Monday morning. All right, it's time now for Global News. Russian President Vladimir Putin says that he is preparing to move tactical nuclear weapons into Belarus. Ed Baxter has global news from the 960 newsroom in San Francisco. Ed. That's exactly what he's saying, Brian. Uh, Putin is saying that uh, 10 aircraft capable of carrying nuclear warheads have already been prepared in Belarus and that storage facilities for the weapons will be completed by July 1st. Putin says the U.S. has long deployed tactical nuclear weapons on the territory of its allies. U.S. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby on CBS has heard here on Bloomberg says, although U.S. intelligence reports no significant movement of nuclear weapons yet, he does see. Obviously, uh, we would agree that no nuclear war should be fought. No nuclear war could be uh, could be won. Clearly, that would cross, uh, cross a major threshold. And the U.S. says it sees no idea now to adjust its policy whatsoever. China is also brought on the discussion today as Congressman Mike Gallagher uh, says the free world had better understand how the Putin-Xi relationship works. We need to understand that Putin is Xi Jinping's junior partner. He is Xi's agent of chaos, his tethered goat in Europe. And if we try and separate these these problem sets, I think we're going to result in a geopolitical posture that's ineffective. Also in the region there, the head of the U.N.'s nuclear agency will travel to the Zaporizhia uh, plant on Wednesday. And Russia's claiming a Ukrainian drone hit a town about 142 miles south of Moscow. The claim to date has not been verified. Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen to visit the U.S. this week. And NSC spokesman Kirby on CBS is heard here on Bloomberg with Margaret Brennan says in spite of China's protestations, this is nothing out of the norm. I think it's important to remember what this is. This is a transit. They're normal. She's done six before. It's a long transit. She's done six before. Tension with China has never been this high. It, it, there, there we are. And look, we, we understand that. Uh, and the president has said clearly he believes it's important to keep the lines of communication with China open. He wants to have another conversation with President Xi. We'll move in that direction. But these transits are normal, uh, particularly for this particular president. Tsai will visit New York and California. Meanwhile, Taiwan has lost an ally of decades after Honduras sides with China. Honduras now saying it recognizes Taiwan as part of China. China and Honduras will have no uh, establish no diplomatic ties at the ambassadorial level effective immediately. Now, China and Honduras. Uh, Brazil's president, Lula da Silva, has postponed his trip to China. His administration says health reasons. It says flu-like symptoms. Singapore Prime Minister Lee Sang-Hung uh, will begin an official visit to China today. His scheduled itinerary includes meeting with President Xi Jinping. Federal officials are touring the devastation in Mississippi today, a town of 2,000 absolutely leveled. Aerial pictures show a a total flattening, looking like a bomb. This is uh, Governor Tate Reeves. The resources that the people here in Rolling Fork and throughout Mississippi need, uh, uh, the help is on the way. And uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas says it appears these events will continue to happen. Uh, it is heartbreaking to hear of the loss of life, to see the devastation firsthand. It is also, as the governor expressed, inspiring to see the people of Mississippi come together. 
Mayorkas says federal government will help in any way possible. So far, the death count there in Mississippi is 25. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. 
I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Our guest is Carol Schleif, CIO at BMO Family Office. Carol, great to have you with us, and thanks for the uh, double duty, the extra duty of a Sunday evening to join us here uh, on the program. As we were saying earlier, all things considered, the markets are remaining relatively calm. Why? Um, first off, thanks for having me on. Um, calm. I think a piece of it is is we're definitely in that wait and see mode, trying to figure out will there be more fallout from the regional or the mid-sized banking issues going on in the United States, where there'll be more global issues. But on the other hand, we have strong economic numbers coming through. The construction numbers are good. Employment is solid. Uh, inflation is coming down, not as fast as the Fed or anybody else wants, but it is coming down. And it's important to remember, too, when we get into the back half of the year, the comparisons will be easier just by default. So the math will make it look like inflation is coming down, even though we may, might not feel it as much. But mm. I think the markets are definitely taking a wait-and-see approach, are going to look at a lot of the incoming data for a change, which we haven't, we were told a couple weeks ago we were going to be a lot more data dependent than we've been able to be in the last couple of weeks. And it's actually really delightful, as you also mentioned earlier, to have a weekend that isn't full of all kinds of <laughs> <You're> <laughs> incoming <here. laughs> Um yeah. So I think the markets are taking that wait and see approach, just trying to see how it plays out. And if you've got a diversified portfolio, that's probably the thing to do to just sit tight and let the news fall and make sure that you're staying adaptable at the edges, but to sit pretty tight and just watch it come in. Kara, but what's happening with the banks is is something which is noteworthy. I mean, sure, they probably be backstopped, but that's not the point here. Small bank deposits continues to, uh, to plunge. We've got perhaps in you know the next uh, H8 uh, filing, which comes up as well, likely to see another, uh, another big, big fall in those deposits, especially these small banks. And, you know, this is providing it's telling us there's a liquidity issue here, and it's you know clear to the Fed as well. But you know what should they be doing? Was 25 basis points a mistake last time? I'm not sure it was a mistake. Although they were pushing, probably pushing the envelope, we probably would have preferred to have seen them sit steady. Some of the data, some of the incoming data is still conflicting on those banks because we've seen some anecdotal stuff that it stabilized a bit in the in the last week or so. And people are starting to come around psychologically. Some are to the thought of, I still want my dollars to be circulating in my local economy as opposed to the the bigger, broader banks. But it, it is tough because, you know, it's important to remember that when we had the GFC, we didn't even have the iPhone then. So we've got a lot more transmission, a lot more rapid transmission, a lot more ability for people to be able to shift stuff around. But they also yeah. have to remember, regardless of what what the Treasury does for backstopping the banks, anything up to 250 is already covered. Yeah. Yeah. And for most people, that's enough. But uh, you had a lot of um, institutions, uh, a lot of companies, right. a lot of VCs that had, you know, 40, 50, 60 million in Silicon Valley Bank. Hey, I was just noticing here that for in the swaps market, there's a 26 percent chance uh, that the Fed would move to 4.86. That that, and that is and would be the terminal rate for the year. So if you put that together by the end of the year, it's at 397. So that would appear to be three cuts 
rates. And a lot of people are saying, well, that's really in conflict with what the Fed is saying because Jay Powell said he didn't anticipate any cuts. But they are data dependent, right? So a lot can change. You don't really need to to take Powell's comments to the bank. (laughs) Not necessarily, but we don't see cuts by year end. And the, the futures markets have been discounting cuts against the Fed and fighting the Fed for over a year, and that hasn't necessarily proved to be very prophetic either. And so I think a piece of it is is it's just in a long career, it's really interesting to me to see the dichotomy between the equity traders and the fixed income traders and the fixed income traders and what the Fed's saying, because they tend to go more hand in hand, and we, we just don't see that cut. I mean, that would imply a really it seems like it would imply a really serious recession in order to get those cuts at the back end. And the curve has all come down. And that well, even, even, Yeah, I mean, even the bond market has the two-year at um, 3.76%. So that's fully 100 yeah. basis points below where the Fed funds rate is. Well, and the interesting thing is, is depending on where banks price their deposits, that may slow the outflow of deposits. Because one of the things that a lot of clients have looked at is they said, look, Banks aren't paying me to sit in deposits, so I'm going to move it into a money market account or a short-term treasury ladder. And if that short-term treasury ladder doesn't yield what a bank will give you on the deposits, now that'll pressure some of those banks that are, you know, pressure the net interest margin because the banks are forced to pay more to hold the deposit. But so it's tricky, and I think that's what the Fed's trying to do, sort of imply that the Fed's going to cut with all of this this very narrow tightrope it's almost as if they were on a regular size tightrope and now they're walking on a thread because they're trying well, well, to. Well, tell me, Carol, here. I mean, let's not forget, you know, we're talking about the deposit side of things. I mean, certainly, but, the, you know, uh, if you want to get a loan, it's going to be much, much harder. You're going to need more collateral. Uh, you're probably uh, going to see spreads widen out. And on top of that, rejection rates are likely to rise. And, you know, that could also spread to non banks and, uh, and the consumer lending that that's focused on. So, in a sense, that's in a way, doing the Fed's job as well, is it not? I think a piece of it, and at the, I think it's important to remember that business goes on anyway. I mean, two people in my very, two younger millennials in my very narrow circle of, of folks around me have signed mortgages in the last month, closed, moved in the last couple mm. weeks. So stuff still happens. <laughs> you still Gutsy. got, you still got, yes and no. I mean, yeah. they're at, the point, too, because demographically, you've got a whole big segment of the economy that's looking at it saying, look, they were over 7%. Now they're down to 6, 6.5%. And what if they go to 8 or 9? And we're, we want out of the city and we want a yard and a grill and a dog. And yeah, yeah. So, you know, and so you've got that piece, but you've also got businesses are still going to do stuff done because demographically you've got people in their businesses that said, look, I was going to sell this business in 2020, the pandemic hit. So I held off. Now I might not get quite what I want, but the buyer has some financing lined up and stuff's still going to happen. Not just as exuberantly as it would have, if we were as the early days out of the pandemic. And so I think it it just, the system tightens itself up. Let's distill this down, Carol, in 30 or 40 seconds into what you're doing in the markets. Where do you put fresh money to work? I think the the short-term treasury letters are still pretty attractive. I think looking globally at some things because you've been having a diversified portfolio, being looking again at mid-cap, small-cap, 
being not not being a hero and taking too much risk, but having balance. And we actually like a lot of the industrial renaissance kinds of companies and where the spending is is teeing up in a lot of those more traditional value oriented things. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.